Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Anne, a brilliant and dedicated lawyer, specializes in children and young adults, lives what appears to be a perfect picture life with her doctor husband Peter and her twin daughters. When her estranged teenage stepson, Gustav, moves in with them, Anne's escalating desire leads her down a dangerous rabbit hole, which, once exposed, unleashes a sequence of events that threatens to destroy her world. Queen of Hearts explores the making of a tragic family secret step by step as the consequences of hubris, lust, and lies conspire to create an unimaginable dilemma or tragedy. <laughs> it's, it's a both. It's a little bit yeah. of both. Uh, we're joined today yeah. by we're joined today by the director of this incredible new film called Queen of Hearts, and that would be my El Tuque. My welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Well, tell me, uh, tell me, my little bit about how the this story evolved. How, where did it come from, and and where, when, what part of this process did you decide to turn this into a narrative film? I've always been very interested in family secrets, making of family secrets. How do they occur, and what is kind of the conditions that is needed in a family for in in order for a family secret to flourish. That was kind of one leg of the of the idea, and then the other leg of the idea was that I I wanted to do something about power, like the abuse of power and power structures in in general in a in a microcosm. I wanted to do a film about the responsibility that comes with with being in power, and and also sometimes the entitlement that comes with being powerful. So those two two ideas were kind of morphed into into this. This idea, and also I discussed with with my writer, my Andrea Kena. I wrote the script with with a, a writer called Andrea Kena. The the difference between the narrative of a of a of a stepfather and a stepdaughter, and and the and and the stepmother and the stepson. We started reading articles and reading stories on in online media about stepmothers or female teachers having affairs with younger men or like male pupils or stepsons. And the narrative of that kind of relationship differs very much from the narrative of the stepfather and the stepdaughter because in that in a way where you you sense that it's kind of a more gray area, you're not it's, and sometimes also it's romanticized that kind of relationship. Whereas when it's a stepfather and a stepdaughter, we know it's wrong in a way. Most people know it's wrong or is appalled by the idea of that. So you can be less specific, but when it's the other way around, when the gender is reversed, um, there's a tendency that we kind of move into a more gray area. It's more difficult for us as an audience or as a reader to know what's up and what's down. And so we wanted to do a story where we kind of took it just as seriously even even um, with the boy as the as the seduced party. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I think you're right. I think when when it's just what you described, I think there is a sort of a a, a, 
elasticity in our moral judgment when it comes to a, a older woman and a and a and a younger man in that dynamic as you're describing yeah. a, a stepmother and a and a stepson as opposed to the other way around and it yeah. it, it really it does and what i what that does i think for me as a viewer watching that sort of understanding in my own mind that this is quote unquote more acceptable in some small way it also allows your actors in the film who are all amazing uh, they're great uh, performances in all of this it also allows this sort of insidious and creeping power dynamic to take hold in ways that we wouldn't that it just it's a little uh, more uh, stealthy in the way that we see uh, the Anne's character begin to assert this power dynamic um, at least for mm -hmm. me, I mean, your guard's down a little, mm -hmm. I guess, in terms of as a viewer watching it. Yeah, and I think it has to do with the, the physical, the physicality or like the lack of physical abuse is very prominent. And, 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 you, and you kind of pay attention because always when, at least I've been reading a lot about this subject and, and what I found is that the, the physical abuse, the physical force, is not there, either. You know, even though if it's a if it's a male teacher or a, a, a stepfather, it's not there because it's not it's not needed to. It's kind of a psychological power play, and it's the same when it's a it's a a woman who is the the seducer. And so we found that the dynamic of these kind of relationships they don't differ that much, even when the gender is reversed. And and so for me, it has been kind of a a, a real interesting journey to travel with the film because I've met so many men who came up to me afterwards and also during the Q&As, even though it takes a little bit of courage to ask questions about this film in a Q&A because you kind of, as an audience member, maybe could feel that you expose yourself when you ask a question. But, you know, people have been brave and asked questions and some of, some of the men I've talked to said like, oh, now I understand that that the Me Too movement, it's not about gender, it's about power. I'm going to generalize, and if I, if you don't agree, please say so. But yeah. I do think yeah. in the world of relationships between people that women tend to be more uh, emotionally, their IQ in the realm of emotional expressing themselves is higher than men. Men aren't very good in the emotional range of being able to express themselves and being and and in that realm I think that women have a, an innate ability maybe innate's not the right word but they I think that they're they're better at navigating this especially when they're powerful and again I'm going back to Anne's character I think she's yeah. she's familiar yeah. with this realm she deals in her character deals with with uh, sexual abuse, her cases tend to be uh, in the film tend to be about women who have been uh, sexually assaulted. So hers, her, yeah. her realm of understanding how this works is sharper than certainly than Gustav's is. But generally speaking, is that is mm -hmm. that a fair? St am I characterizing this incorrectly? Or yeah, I think we talked a lot about like the conscious and the unconscious of the character, and I think for her. Her superpower is also kind of her own worst enemy. You know, it's it's like the the thing she's good at, which is like helping others. Like she's fearless in 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 defending 
others um, who don't have the ability to fairness in defending them against uh, a world, the world outside, in a courtroom or in the street. And and so the reason that she, she is that is because she, you know, she knows she knows something about growing up under kind of chaotic circumstances. And so that is kind of a superpower, but also a superpower, as for most of us, the blessing we carry, like the gift we have, can both be used for the good and for the bad. And so, um, and we can hurt others and we can hurt ourselves with our gift. <laughs> and we can grant others with our gift and we can grant ourselves. So it, it goes both ways. And I think her gift is that she's fearless. Yeah. Um, yes. And she uses that fearlessness to defend other, other human beings. And, but at the same time, she's able, because of that fearlessness, she can, you know, she can, um, convince her surroundings, her family that, uh, what happened didn't happen. I want to uh, remind our listeners we're speaking with Maya Eltuki. She is the director and co-writer of the film Queen of Hearts, and it's opening here in Los Angeles uh, today, um, Friday, November 1st, here at the, it's opening at the Glendale Lemley Theater. And um, and also you can find out more about it by going to Breaking Glass Pictures is the uh, the website. I think that we have an Instagram page and, okay. and a, a Facebook page you can look us up at. So let's take a half step back in terms of sort of describing the dynamics of this, or the story really behind uh, Queen of Hearts. Um, Anne, an attorney, and her husband, uh, Peter, are uh, this wonderful couple. They seem to be doing very well. But Peter uh, was previously married, and he has a son through that marriage, and that's Gustav, and he comes to stay with them. He's going through some tough times. And uh, he comes to stay with them. And that sort of sets everything, mm. his arrival sets everything in motion. The film is more or less a di- this power relationship between Gustav and Anne. But also with Peter, we have a voice of moral clarity. He sort of is, he's, he's, he doesn't know exactly what's going on. There's a, how would you describe his relationship? Because he has a relationship with both of these, these people. How is, how is he fit in? To what you were you were trying to get to with uh, with Queen of Hearts, I see him as as a bystander in a way. In in many ways, he's a bystander in the sense that she's kind of the she's the leading leading lady of their relationship. She she defines many of the rules in their relationship. One 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 thing that that I wasn't anticipating, but but I think a lot of people sense when they see the film is that that she's bored in a relationship. I never thought of that myself. We want to, in a way, as an audience, we want to we wanna find a reason for the characters and we want to find reasons why the characters do what they do. And so we kind of search. And I think uh, it, in this film, because there's room for interpretation, you kind of, as an audience, put in your own stuff in the movie so and your own experiences. So different audience members have like different views on the relationship between Anne and Peter. But I see him as a very like loving husband, but he's also a, a, a man and a father who have not taken full responsibility for his son of the first marriage. And he, he, he fell in love with a Danish woman and they, he previously lived in Sweden and his ex-wife is Swedish and his son is a Swede. And then he moves 
to Denmark, and he he didn't manage to to kind of uh, combine his child from the first marriage and and with his new family structure, and so I think that shame he feels in regards to that has has an effect on his present day marriage, and also he doesn't know his own son. So he becomes more easy to uh, manipulate and to to effect for Anne when when kind of when the, the dilemmas of the film occur. Yeah, it also puts him on the defensive, and it allows for Anne's yeah. character to keep him on the defensive about that. And it, it also yeah. provides her with a way of kind of walling off the the budding relationship between. Uh, Anne and Gustav. So, it, it yeah, yeah, and and he, I think he likes the idea that his, that his wife. I think he actually feels that she's helping him. That she's kind of, you know, that that she's getting close to Gustav, and and he's 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 starting to feel at home at the in their house, and it's easier for her to access his son than himself, and so therefore it's kind of this. This magic triangle where um, everything happens in front of his eyes, but he just thinks that it's something else, you yeah. know. And so, at the end of the day, he kind of—I don't want to spoil the film, no. but he <laughs> has a choice to make. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so, um, that is quite, you know, fatal in a way. Yeah, and there, there's, there's so much about the film that I want to talk with you about, but I am also leery yeah. <laughs> of of giving too much away. I, I really don't want to. So, yeah. but I, I want no. to. For, no. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I want to salute. I want to salute you as, as a filmmaker. First of all, the look of the film, and and the way it relates to the story, is absolutely brilliant. Tell us a little bit about your cinematographer. Jasper Spanning. Yeah. Jasper Spanning, yeah. So we, we I worked with Jasper Spanning before. Um, we did several um, TV shows together, and uh, we all all our kind of main crew come from the same school. There's basically like one school in Denmark, and then there's maybe two or three courses uh, around the country. But the one state school is called um, the National Film School of Denmark. We, we all graduated from there in different periods of time because there's an age gap between some of us. But it gave us all the same language. Um, that's one of the forces of this school is that as a student, you have a lot of hands-on classes and have a lot of hands-on courses where you actually go out and make films. And so you create, there's like this language that, that, that most students adopt and that we keep on kind of developing once we get out of school. And so with, with Jasper, one of the things that is, is really interesting um, about working with him is that he, he, he always challenges the material. He's always asking the question, could this scene be told without words, for example? Uh, is it possible to kind of to, to make the audience understand the, 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 the context and the, and the theme of the scene without ever uttering a word. And so working with him is always kind of trying to search for where could we go somewhere else instead of just like letting the characters say whatever they think or or have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that is very 
special about him. And the other thing is that in this film, I worked with a production designer, and uh, very early on, I had this vision that I wanted to do a, a gothic film because I'm I'm very interested in in kind of uh, nature imagery and in films and in general. I I just you know I'm fascinated by trees, and that made me think about gothic art. And in gothic art, you have this death is always present. And so I started to research in, in Gothic art, and I presented this kind of Gothic vision to my production designer and my cinematographer. And, and so we started to kind of implement the nature much more. So whenever we could, we would kind of, um, we would use the nature as, as, as an opposition to the civilized, like the, the house and the, the glass and the steel. Yeah. The nice, nice Danish design, and then you would have the nature because basically, I think one of the reasons that I'm that interested in nature is also, you know, and I love to go to the zoo and 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 watch animals. And I think it's because it, for me, it's so dif- it's so difficult to understand that that human beings are basically just like advanced animals. In and 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 even though we go to the hairdresser and we cut our nails and you know we try to be civilized. Also, there's we can be animals, and at times we have to be animalistic, and we have to, uh, you know, the yeah. order of nature is kind of implemented in the order of our civilization in many ways. Yeah. And you know, the smart one outsmarts the less smart, and and the strong one beats the less strong, and and so on and so forth. And so I think that was very true to the story, and we started to to work on that and implement that. And then also one thing that is was different for me in this in this film is that we shot on thirty five millimeter, and um, and that's a you know that's a that's a huge kind of it's a thing it's a in, it's an artistic choice that has a great impact on the production the whole way through because the process of processing uh, thirty five millimeter is very different from the the digital process. And so we discussed this a lot. Is it worth it to shoot on 35? And, and we found out for us it was good to have this kind of dogma. Uh, and, and we had to be really, really well, well prepared whenever we shot a scene because, um, because of the 35 millimeter. And I think that made us, you know, even more precise and even more well prepared. Um, so for me, even for like an, a normal audience they wouldn't i you know i don't think my mother ever thought about you know the difference between digital media and silhouette but as a filmmaker it can make like a huge difference to have a, a dogma like that when you when you shoot there's a richness to the the uh the look of it um that you get in in film that uh you've often don't see or feel when you're watching something that was done in digital and not to degrade either form, either way you can no, you, no, you choose. No, both ways yeah. can be really, yeah. yeah. But there is, and there's a certain precision in this cinematography that I I really appreciate it. I don't, I don't know if that is a, a, the right word for it, but yeah, yeah, yeah it just has a great look. And uh, my hat's off to your to your cinematographer Jasper Spanning, as well as your production designer, is that Mia St- uh, Stensgard? Is that who you were Stensgard, talking? Yeah, about? yeah. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I would be remiss if I did not talk about this cast, and I have to talk about the cast, and I think everything starts with uh, Trina Deerholm, uh, who plays Anne in the film, yeah. who is absolutely incredible, and not only for her performance as an actor, but also in what she takes on in terms of being Anne in this film is a pretty darn brave thing that she does and uh, above and beyond being yeah. a great actor how would how would you characterize her performance i think um i think she's absolutely amazing and 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 one of the things that that makes trina such a such a, an amazing artist is that she always chooses projects that challenges her and so that keeps on reinventing herself in the characters she does, uh, whatever project she kind of is engaged in. And one of the things that me and Trina, we discussed a lot during, during shooting and also, you know, I, I, work, I worked in theater and was, was educated in theater and schooled in theater before I went to the National Film School of Denmark. And so I always work with like three or four weeks of rehearsal before I go shooting. And of course, in these rehearsals, we kind of, you know, there's so much we gained from, from rehearsals, at least for me, because I understand the, the strengths and the weaknesses of the material before I start shooting. And then there's actually time to kind of, you know, to, to, to um, straight out the, the difficulties before the shooting. Not that, you know, everything is straightened out, because there's always challenging, challenging stuff happening while you shoot. But one of the things that Trina and I discussed a lot while we rehearsed was that she was, that, that how much and how little, like how, how the awareness of the character, yeah. the consciousness of the character, kind of balancing, ba balancing that as an actor while you're acting, is, it's so, so difficult. And I think that's one of the major, major contributions on her part is that she dares to be in kind of that unknown territory as an as an actress and i think it's also it's one of the things i'm most proud of with this film is that we wanted to do a piece where there was room for interpretation as an audience i think we managed to do that and but i also understand by doing so it's not for everyone to see because it's not everyone who likes to kind of put themselves into the story and have a dialogue with themselves while they watch a film. But the films I love and the films I admire, they, um, they often have that. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of is that it's, the, it's kind of the dialogue that, that I have a sense that we actually managed to create with, it, with the audience while they watch the film. And that's also very much because of, of Trina's performance, where she's kind of balancing between not giving too much away and at the same time like being a real person yeah. in, in, in a story. Right. And I don't have any idea if this film was shot in sequence, but it but it has she, her performance is it, she subtly ramps up the things that are happening in her mind as we go through the story. And that ability to do that uh, in, in a character um, is the subtlety with which she does it is uh, really remarkable. Mm. She, she's a great performance. Yeah. yeah. And, and let's not leave out Gustav Lind, uh, who plays Gustav in the film, who 
young yeah. actor. Yeah. Uh, again, someone who comes in as sort of the troubled teen into the story, but who quickly, and I felt really quickly, sort of came on to this other side of him in the film, and it's part of the story. But he really came into his yeah. own as he becomes uh, the object of her affection. And after he's challenged yeah. by her, it really is a terrific performance on his part. He really is wonderful in it. We casted a lot of, of different um, men, young men from Scandinavia. We casted Norwegians and Swedes and Danish men, young actors, because even though we speak different languages in Scandinavia, we also understand each other's languages. You know, I was open for it to be someone not from Denmark. and and But at the same time, it's quite difficult to find the right guy because oh, I wanted a young man that also had some kind of experience. And and it's difficult to be like very young and have huge amount of experience and also has been to like through training and it was almost like an impossible thing to find someone who had all of these things. But we found him and, and then we, we kind of, when we did the callbacks, we put him into a room with Trina and it takes a lot also as a young actor to play against an actor like her because she's you know, she's so skilled and experienced, but he was really like owning his own space and giving her still resistance in the scene. I just knew that he was Bruce Augusta when I saw that he could actually, you know, stick up for himself yeah. and be like a real resistance. I was very um, inspired by, <laughs> you know, that's this Game of Thrones character who is a, like who is a no one you can be anyone you can be no one and i had this idea that i wanted him to also in his styling be he has this very charismatic demeanor but he could also be look like he's just anybody and so i wanted to kind of find that so we did a lot of costume testing on what kind of youngster what kind of teenager is he because I wanted him to, to be kind of a canvas, in a way, for her desire also. So we tested back and forth and landed on this very kind of neutral tone of, of, of colors and not pure fashion, but still, you know, fashionable enough to be a cool guy, you know? Yeah, no, again, that that's the sort of, you see that in his character. And I think he his character feels like somebody who rises to the, the circumstances that they find themselves in. As he, he was in a bad yes. situation, so he behaved badly. He's in this situation with his father. And exactly. This, and and he, exactly. so he behaves according to the environment, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. That's such a good phrase. I'll use that. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Well, well, I I, I can't tell you how much uh, I enjoyed the film. As I said at the beginning of our interview, it's a really well done film. And it's one of those films for me. It's one of those films that there are just a couple of moments how life turns on a the turn of a phrase on circumstances. And you're faced with these moments in your life where you can go one way or the other and it's and and those things will have lasting impact on your life and this film has a yeah. number of those moments and and you're sort of yeah. laser focused on that and in the film that you really bring yeah. that to uh to those 
to those instances. It happens in the in the snap of a fingers, and uh, all of this. It's the it's the whole package. It's a great story. It's a challenging story. It's a story that you will be uncomfortable with at times, but nonetheless, yeah. you will want to stay. Yeah. yeah, and then the acting is terrific. The look of it is wonderful. All of it. You've got it all. The film is Queen of Hearts, and Mile 2K, I'm so grateful that you were able to find some time to spend with us, and uh, I'm certain you're going to be working on more and more projects, so don't hesitate to come back and join us anytime. No, thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.